0: Welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are on your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Let's jump into today's topic. We have been in this series called Groundswell. We're coming to the end of it, and it's going to be ending in two weeks, right before Christmas at Hope Brooklyn. And Groundswell, the idea behind it is simple. What would it look like for God to invade your life? What would it look like for the presence of God to speak to your mind, to move in your heart, to to actually lead you in your day-to-day life, and for you to be led by God? And today we're going to be reading from chapter 17. It's a long passage, but it's a single prayer. It's known in the theological tradition as the high priestly prayer. Because the last thing Jesus does before he heads to the cross, to his betrayal, and to his death and resurrection. So Jesus is praying uh, in chapter 17, just between him and God, and he's allowing us to hear how he and God communicate, what's going on in the inner life of God. So chapter 17, verses 1 through 25, this is what we read. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They know with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Like I said, this is the final portion of what John uh, theologians of John called the discourses. So in John chapter 1 through 12, Jesus does a lot of actions. He heals people. He travels in his ministry. Uh, and in John chapter 13 through 16, he teaches his disciples in this discourses. It's a very long extended portion of Jesus um, illuminating to his disciples who God is. John chapter 18 through 20 will be the crucifixion and the resurrection. But right here in the middle, separating Jesus' teachings, Jesus' doings, and his ultimate reason why he came, which is his death, right here in the middle is a prayer. The last thing Jesus' disciples see him do before he dies is not heal someone, not teach anything, but he lifts up his eyes to heaven and he says, Father, he prays. It reminds me of Oswald Chambers' line, prayer does not prepare us for some greater work. Prayer itself is the greater work. We were made for prayer. Prayer takes us into the inner life of God. And in this prayer, Jesus is taking us into the inner life of God. He's taking us into the place where there's no need for groundswell because God is just constantly dynamic and moving. And what do we see? When we look at this prayer, what do we see in the inner life of God? Well, the first thing we see is it starts with glory. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So now glorify me in your presence with the glory I had in your presence before the world existed. It starts with glory. Glory is a churchy word. It's a religious word, but not a churchy concept. And we know that. Everywhere we look in our world, we glorify things all the time. To glorify something is to, is to present something as admirable, to, to hold up something as worthy of praise, as, as to commend something that you should follow this, that you should do this thing. And often it's to, to praise something beyond your own sense of justification, you can't explain fully why this thing is so worthy. You just know it is. We glorify things all the time. We just had Thanksgiving. I'm sure some of you had some conversations about political parties and political ideologies where we glorify things beyond justification. Just enact this policy, and I promise you we're going to have a better place. Right? That's glorifying things. We, we glorify sports teams. I'm from North Carolina. If you've ever heard of the duke unc Tar Hill basketball rivalry, you know about glorification. You glorify these teams. You commend them as value, as worthy, and those other teams as not to be glorified. We glor- We're in America. We have mastered the art of glorifying celebrities, right? We literally look at these people who have some aspect of talent, maybe, hopefully, and we say, these people deserve worth and honor and and praise. We glorify these celebrities. We have mastered the algorithm of self-glorification. In some ways, that's what social media can be. It's just glorifying ourselves. I know you and I don't do that, right? Of course. But it could be that We've mastered, we, we, we praise things, we commend things as worthy all the time. You and I, we don't use the word glory, but we are constantly glorifying things in our world. We are constantly glorifying things. And Jesus simply says, Father, glorify me so that I may glorify you. Friedrich Nietzsche wrote, I cannot believe in a God who wants to be praised all the time. Well, that's a great thing because nor can I. <laughs> I I hate the false gods of celebritydom, who soak up people's praise. And they certainly don't return praise on their fans. Or maybe they'll be like, oh, it's all about the fans. But they don't mean that. They don't care about us. They soak up praise. And then they actually start believing it, that they are better than others, that they are a special breed of human. I hate the false gods of wealth that never have enough, that soak up the the false gods of greed, that soak up more and more and never give away, more and more thinking, if I just have one more penny in that 401k, then I'll be content. The false gods of power that soak up and absorb and crave more and more influence in their worlds in order to feel complete. I hate the false gods that constantly need more and more praise. The gods that are constantly soaking up more and more commendation, more and more value, and are never offering anything in return. Those gods are exhausting. And lucky for us, the one thing that Jesus and the Father do not do with glory here is hold on to it. Did you notice that? The glory is constantly moving in this prayer. It's shifting from one person to the next. Jesus opens, says, glorify your Son so that your son may glorify you. I glorified you, Father, by finishing the work you gave me. So now glorify me with the glory I had in your presence. Later on, we'll read, Jesus will say, the glory that you gave me, Father, I have given them, them meaning you. The one thing the glory does not do in this passage is sit still. The one thing God does not do with the praise is hold on to it. It's constantly moving. It's a cycle. It's dynamic. The inner life of God, the glory and the praise is being passed between Father and Son and Spirit back and forth, back and forth, and even we are wrapped up into it. Those false gods that, that, uh, that constantly need more and more praise, that's not who this God is at all because it never sits still. My wife, Anna, and I, we, we dated long distance before we got married. And we certainly experienced a, a moment of this. I don't know if you ever, for those who did long distance, uh, if you ever had that moment where you get off the plane and it's been a couple months where you haven't seen each other other than FaceTime, and then you're suddenly standing in the presence, like actually in the flesh before them. And, and Anna and I, I mean, it was, it was always this moment where like our stomach is churning, we're so excited, and, and usually what we would do, unless we had just gotten in a fight, but well, that was later on, right? Right. Um, <laughs> But usually, early on, definitely, we'd grab each other's faces. We would trace the lines on their faces. We would just stare at each other. We'd, we'd kiss each other's cheek. What are we doing? We're passing glory back and forth. When I look at her and I hold her face in my hands, I'm glorifying her. I'm saying, you are worthy. I praise you. You are worthy of my love. I commend you. And she's not holding on to it saying, yes, 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 you're right. Keep it coming. She's doing it right back. She's passing it right back. The glory is going back and forth and back and forth. The inner life of God, friends, is not that of a tyrant who absorbs more and more of your praise and cares nothing for anyone else. He just takes his own ego growing bigger and bigger. Those are the false gods that just take and never offer anything back. But that's not Jesus. That's not the Father. The inner life of God is that of lovers who give and receive and give and receive. This constant flow of giving glory and never hoarding it. And another name for this dynamism is love. To praise and commend as worthy of value. Worthy of delight, back and forth, back and forth. That is to love. Jesus is showing us that the glory that's being passed back and forth in God is love. So it starts with glory. The next thing I notice about this prayer is that the name of Jesus is our way into the glory of God. He says in his prayer, I made your name known to those you gave me. They received it and they kept your word, your word which is your name. Now they know that everything you gave me, I have given them. My friends who aren't followers of Jesus, they often ask me, why do I have to follow Jesus? Why can't I just love people? And I understand that question. And the best answer I can give is, yes, God is love. But we didn't know the fullness of what that statement means until we saw it exemplified in Jesus Christ. We didn't know that God was love. That's a really radical idea. We didn't know that God in his essence is love until Jesus came and told us, revealed to us, who the source behind all existence is and what he's like. We didn't know what love meant until we saw it in its fullest measure in Jesus of Nazareth. And he says this, he goes, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. We didn't know that God's name was love. And for whatever reason, friends, the word that unlocks the reality of God, the word that unlocks the glory of God that takes us into a deeper measure of love that we haven't experienced before, the word that unlocks that is not the generic word love. The word that unlocks that reality is the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Jesus shows us what it means to say God is love. Jesus shows us what it means when we say God is love. We don't know what that means outside of seeing it in the person and the story of Jesus Christ. Which is also why people are cool with me saying that Christianity is all about love. They love that. but it's, And that might, you might be one of them. You're like, yeah, I love that. That's great. But when I say cool, but the reason I know that, the reason I know that it's all about love is because of Jesus. He's my way into that reality. Then there's the hang up. People get agitated. Why can't I just love? Why do I have to glorify Jesus. I don't know fully, friends, other than that's just who God is. I don't know why. Here's what I know, and I challenge you in this. I challenge you in those moments when your reserves have run dry, I challenge you not to try and love people, but to actually praise Jesus from the depths of your heart to actually glorify him, to say, you are worthy, you are valuable. And I promise you, something unlocks inside of you. It unlocks a deep cavern in you where love flows through you in a way that you haven't experienced before. We, when we try to just love others, we realize we don't have the reserves in us. We think, we try to do the best we can, but there are definitely those days, if you're like me where you don't want to love the world, you're tired, you've been beat up. You're sort of like one hand out, sort of. You don't want to love yourself. I know you've had those moments where you're like, I am not worthy of love. Where you feel ashamed, or you feel angry, or you feel betrayed. And if you just try to assuage yourself with, well, let me just try and love, you're not going to be able to do it. But if in those moments, instead, what you do is you fall on your knees and say, Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I praise you, I glorify you, Jesus. If you start focusing your attention not on some generic concept like love, but on the person of Jesus, something unlocks in a mystical way that actually allows you to love better than any other way you've been able to before. It's, so, it's like that, that geometric thing of a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. You know what I'm talking about? If you focus on Jesus, what you get is the depths of unconditional love for the world. But if you focus on love, you actually don't get the fullness of it. You don't get Jesus. But to focus on Jesus, to glorify him, to focus on that name, it unlocks something that I just challenge you to try it. Whether you would call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, the answer for whatever your problem is in life that you're dealing with, it's not just love. The answer is to worship Jesus, to glorify him. And none of us, none of us find this easier or natural, and I get that. It takes effort, it takes patience. it takes time. Our loves were conditional. God's love is unconditional. It's eternal. It's unfailing. I had those rings to go with each one of the words I was using right there. <laughs> unconditional, eternal. Right, anyway. We don't know that love yet. We're learning that love. And luckily for us, Jesus prayed that as well. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your name is truth. Sanctify just means to make them completely yours. So what is Jesus saying on your behalf? He's saying, God, Father, make them completely yours by my name. Let my name be the chisel that refines them such that they are completely filled with your love. Guys, the name of Jesus is full of glory. And the way into this glory is by praising him. It unlocks something deep within us. It unlocks God. And so all I can commend to you, because I don't have the full measure of words for it, is that there is power in that name unlike any other power I've ever seen in the world. That's all I can say. There is power in the name of Jesus unlike any other power I've ever seen. I can't explain it, but I challenge you to, to focus your attention on it, to glorify the one who bears it and see if you're not led into the glory of God. It starts with Glory. The name of Jesus is our way into that glory. And finally, it ends with glory. (laughs) We go from glory to glory. We'll never be the same. Jesus prays, the glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Guys, God shares his glory with us, with you. Does that sound like a tyrannical God? Does that sound like a God that you don't want to follow? God shares his glory with you. We see this glory when we're one. And we become one when we're all glorifying Jesus. Just this last week, I got a a brief glimpse into that. Uh, There were a couple people on our staff and we had an email exchange. And we weren't having a disagreement, but we were definitely like there was some friction to try to figure out something that we were doing and how to make it better. And what was so amazing about this email exchange is because each person in it was not being self-centered, but they were totally trying to glorify each other. They were honoring one another and not in a false modesty kind of way, but actually like listening and saying and valuing and commending. And as the glory was swirling all around us. As we glorified each other, we realized the only way we were do that, the only way we were able to do that is because our hearts were all set on one thing. We wanted to glorify the name of Jesus. We want you to glorify the name of Jesus. We want you to experience the love of God. And therefore, in that email exchange, as silly as it is, there was a unity. There was a oneness that was intoxicating. It took us, it, took us up into the heart of God. It took us up into the glory. Christian Wyman, who's a a Christian and a poet, uh, and he works at Yale, he talks about this, about love, but you could substitute it for glory as well. He talks about true love as always demanding more. True love always demands more. It never closes in, it demands more. And this is what he writes. He goes, we tend to think of love as closing out the world, and we can only see the face of the beloved and that everything else goes quiet or goes numb. But actually what I experienced was that love, the love demanded to be something else. It demanded to be expressed beyond the expression of the participants. It kept demanding more. And that excess energy I think is God. And I think it's God in us trying to return to its source. Think about it. You fall in love, what do you do? you write a poem. You take your beloved home to mom and dad. You have a child. All of these ways is how you're expressing your love, how you're glorifying the person beyond just the person. I glorify you, my love. Therefore, I write a poem. It demands more. Now a poem exists that has been brought into the circle of our love. I glorify you, my love, and therefore I bring you home to mom and dad. It demands more. I want them to glorify you too. I glorify you, my love, therefore we make a child. We produce life. We have literally created someone else, a living, breathing creature that is a sign of our love, of the glory we're giving back in force, forth between us. Guys, this is why God had to create a world. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the inner workings of the Trinity is glory, is love passing back and forth. It demanded to be something more. It wasn't enough for the Father, Son, and Spirit to love each other. We need to create something else to love. Let there be a, an existence. Let there be a cosmos of creatures and trees and animals and humans who we can love them too. It demanded to be more. And you and I, we are the recipient, the, I can't even think of the word right now, the recipients of God's glory. He has shared it with us. We are being wrapped up, taken up into God's glory, into his love. We are the sign that God is love. And if we will receive it, we also get to be the participant in it as well. It gets to pass through us and be demanded more for others as well. Though Jesus shows us who the true God is, the true God is love. The intention, the reason why he shows us that, is not simply so that you will adore God, but so that you will know that God adores you too. God is glorifying you. Can can I pause there for a second? You ever heard that in church? Not only are you glorifying Jesus, Jesus is glorifying you. He's telling you that you are worthy. You are valuable. He is commending you for love. You are being swept up into the heart of the Trinity where all are just passing the glory. It's just passing around and around and around. And if you follow the theme of the prayer, that's what we see. It starts with glory. It starts with the glory between the Father and the Son. And then Jesus describes how he has shared this glory through his name, With his disciples, they have been wrapped up into the glory. And then later on in the prayer, you see the disciples, through them, through the message, the name will go forth and more will be wrapped up into the glory. And then finally, he concludes the prayer and he says, Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The final scene, the final page of this story that we're all in is when all things, every manner of creation, every manner of living being, all things are completely absorbed with the glory of God. All things are absorbed with the heart that seeks to do nothing else, not to hoard anything, but seeks to do nothing else but glorify God and glorify one another. Glory will be the final word and it will be the impulse of every heart. Who doesn't want to be a part of that world? It just comes through glorifying the name of Jesus. I'm gonna invite the band back up and I'm gonna end with this one story. I, uh, I received glory earlier this year and it wrecked me. It wrecked me. It was actually from you guys. Um, I was being ordained in my denomination. And as I was being ordained, uh, my my bosses came here and presented me with a plaque and and prayed for me. You guys started cheering for me. And some of you even stood up and you were cheering for me. And it was totally unexpected. I did not expect any of that. And it, it broke me, guys because what were you doing in that moment? As you cheered for me, you were glorifying me. You were commending me of value, you were passing love to me. And it was one of the most amazing moments I've ever experienced, it really, really humbled me. But if, I, if we were in heaven, and if I had had the presence of mind, you know what I should have done? After you're cheering for me, I should have just started cheering for you. I should have shouted and cheered and said, yes, you, 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 you're here, you're alive, you're loved. Heaven will be the place where everyone is receiving a standing ovation at the same time. (laughs) We'll all just be shouting and cheering for each other because we made it. We exist. The love has passed through us. We are the expression of the glory of God. And then... And then after we've been cheering for each other a good amount of time, then we'll turn and look at Jesus, the one where the perfection of divine and human rests, and we'll all just break out in rapturous applause for him, because he is the one that made all of this possible. And as we cheer for Jesus, you know what he's going to do? He's going to cheer right back for us, and then we're going to cheer for God, and then we're going to cheer for the animals. And then we're going to cheer for the bugs, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) And then the bugs are going to cheer for us. All creation is going to glorify God. That's what we're moving toward. That's the final chapter. Everyone receives a standing ovation. Because when no one deserved it, Jesus showed up and gave the Father and gave you a standing ovation. When no one else would go first, Jesus spread the glory. Therefore, we will turn to him and say, there is no other name but the name of Jesus by which everyone may be saved. I want to be a part of that standing ovation. I want to join you in this as we glorify God. How do we move toward this reality, guys? where all are one and we're united through our glorifying of Jesus, it's just that. We lift up our voices and our hearts and we praise that name. And I don't know where you are in the room. I don't know if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus or not. And whichever you are, you are welcome here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. But I do wanna challenge you. We're about to sing a song. And what would it look like in this moment, whatever you're feeling, whatever you may think about yourself or your life, to take your eyes off of all of that and put them right on him and his name. And as much as you can muster from your heart, from the inner part of your stomach, start praising the name of Jesus. Just try it and see if you're not met by the glory of God. So let's pray. God, we worship you. There are so many hearts here. Hearts that know you, hearts that don't know you, hearts that have been hurt by your followers, hearts that that don't understand the fullness of your love. We're all here with joy, with sorrow, with questions, with doubts, with frustrations. We're all here, God. And Jesus, you prayed that your glory would be shared when we recognize that it comes through your name. And so as we As we get ready to sing right now, God, would you meet us in this room? For every heart, whatever they're feeling, would they take their eyes off themselves and put them on you, Jesus, on your name? Would we give you glory and receive in return your overwhelming, unconditional, inexpressible love? Would it be filled, Lord, in this space right now, would there just be a filling of a standing ovation for everyone, for you, for us, for Jesus, for the spirit, for the world, for all of it, for love. Just be an absolute raucous standing ovation. Jesus, I glorify you. Jesus, I glorify you. If no one else does, I praise you because you have won my heart. It's in your name, Lord. Amen. Will you stand and let it sing to him? Hey, Hope Brooklyn. Darren here, your fellow Hope Brooklynite. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're part of the community, you're aware that we've been exploring the topic of generosity and stewardship. Each week, we offer a thought to reflect on as we prepare to enter 2020, relying completely on your generosity. So have a listen to what we discussed this last Sunday, and we'll see you around the table soon. All right, Uh, and then the last announcement is many of you guys know um, that as we are now in December getting ready for 2020, we have been in the season as a church of cultivating hearts of of financial generosity to participate in what God is doing at Hope Brooklyn. And the reason for that is really twofold. Uh, Number one, when we kick off in 2020, uh, we will be, as we're saying, moving out of our parents' basement. Up till now, we're still a young church. We're only two and a half years old. Up till now, uh, some of our revenue streams have been from outside organizations, third parties. That stops at the end of 2019. So starting in January 2020, the only thing that that supports this ministry is us, is the family. And then the other thing is we've been growing as a community, which is amazing. God's been doing a lot of cool stuff among us. So we're trying to prepare ourselves um, to to uh, scale in such a way that we can sustainably support this growth. And we know that, you know, participating financially in a church that might be new for some of you um, or maybe uh, others, maybe you've been burned in the past. So we can talk about, well, why? We, we've been sort of offering up stories of why um, is it a really cool thing and why is it really, um, why does it raise your faith to, to financially participate with God through the local church? And Darren's not here today, so I'm actually going to share a little bit of my story of why it's important to me, because just so you know, even though I am an employee of Hope Brooklyn, uh, Anna and I, as individuals, we also participate uh, with Hope Brooklyn. And this is actually something that was put into my heart at a very young age by my parents. So um, I was born with a congenital disorder called Goldenhar Syndrome. It's a craniofacial thing, it affected my body a lot of different ways, um, and I've had about 20 major operations in my lifetime. Um, my dad works for the YMCA. Any Y people in the house? A couple, all right, love it. Um, and my dad works for the YMCA, and he's worked in a plethora of roles. My mom was an elementary school teacher, um, and then when she had me and my brother, she, she moved, uh, or she, she stopped teaching, she went home, and she kept kids. So, all that to say, we didn't have um, money, and our insurance plans weren't the, the sort that we could pay for my surgeries. And as my parents tell the story, when I was about five or six, one of my first major operations, they were having a really serious conversation about whether they should stop giving to the local church, the church they were a part of. And they're like, Surely God would want us to take the money that we're giving to the church and pay for our son's surgeries, right? Surely God would want that. And as they prayed more and more, what they discerned from God is God said, of course, I want to take care of your son. Of course, I want to provide for his surgeries. But here's the thing. If you take it and put it toward that way, then you're actually providing for him. I want you to see how I'm going to provide for you guys as a family. I want your faith to be raised in this way by saying you're not your own provider for your son. I'm your provider. And by me and by you, my parents, by you participating with me, by giving a portion to me without negotiation, like this is God's, you're making that declaration that it's all God's. And so they decided, okay, this is what we're going to do, even though it seems really irresponsible, and it might look like we don't love our son, this is what we're going to do. And uh, as my parents tell it, there was they had decided that, and like two weeks later, it was like the worst day of my mom's life. Everything went wrong, and uh, our Uh, our washing machine broke that same day and so my dad comes home and he finds my mom and maybe some of you parents know this uh, this feeling but she's just sitting on on the ground in the laundry room like her back leaned against the washing machine and she's just bawling she's just bawling like she's breaking right now Um, she can't do it and but what she didn't know and as she was like telling my dad I can't do this anymore what are we going to do financially how is this going to work? What she didn't know, and what my dad had news for her, is unbeknownst to both of them, there was an emergency fund in the national YMCA for families, employees of need. And someone had nominated me, nominated us. And my dad had just gotten word that day that I had been accepted for the nomination. So my surgery was gonna be paid for, this first major one. So he delivers that news to my mom, and they just sit there on the floor weeping and praising God and praying. I've had other major surgeries. My parents have never stopped giving to whatever their local church was. And I've received that fund twice now in my lifetime. And as my parents tell the stories, they say that even though they never asked anyone for money, word got out in their community, people would come up to them and say, hey, God prompted me to give you a check for this amount. Or people in the YMCA would call and be like, hey, I hear you're coming to Dallas, Texas for a surgery. I want you to stay with us or I hear you coming to San Francisco, stay with us, such that the needs of my surgeries were always covered in the most perfect timing. Now, what's, what, why, do, why do I say that? Why do I say that story? Did God want to cover my surgeries? Of course. Of course he did. But because they said, God, we are yours before we are anyone else's, their faith was elevated to such a degree because they got to see God come through. Does God need your money? No. He doesn't need your money. What he wants you to know is he wants, because money is sort of the stand-in for our lives, he wants you to offer all of yourself to him so that he can be your provider and show how all of it he already has control over anyway. And so that's, that's when I learned that from my parents as I got older, and I have my own stories as well, Anna and I both do, of like trying to practice this, but God has continually come through time and time again. And so that's, I just offer that by way of encouragement, of I know how terrifying it is, I know how hard it is, um, um, and I know it's a step of faith. I know it's a step of faith, but I promise you, there are more stories than just that one, and you've heard a couple, and there are tons more, and I want you to experience that with God as well. So, what we're asking for at Hope Brooklyn, we are asking for 70 recurring donors, which is about half of our Sunday attendance, and about one-third of our total congregation, um, 70 recurring donors by the end of December to be ready for January 2020. Uh, Why a recurring donor? And that's just basically like when you set it up and you don't look at it and it just sort of debits, uh, your card sort of debits it out each month or whatever. The reason why we're asking for recurring donors is the same reason people ask for RSVPs for parties. We wanna know how many people, like a rough estimate of how many people are coming so we don't have too much food or too little food. It's the same idea. Uh, We want to be able to budget responsibly. We want to be responsible and steward well what God is giving us. So 70 recurring donors will allow us to do that. And uh, we're taking some time to explain, well, where's this going? And there are three primary places. Uh, The first one we talked about last week was personnel. Because we've grown, um, we want to be able to uh, pay people better to devote more of their times to the community. And the second place it's going is space. Space. Hope, not outer space by the way, like physical space. Just want to make sure to clarify that. I know y'all are smart people, but um, Hope Brooklyn primarily has existed in two spaces, here on Sunday mornings and in your apartments throughout the week. When we've needed bigger spaces for like um, classes, seminars, youth groups, that type of stuff, we've uh, bounced around from apartment lounge to apartment lounge. But we're like an adolescent church now. We, we can't do that anymore. We're not so small that we can exist in people's apartments, but we're not that big yet that we need to have our own space. So through a long story, which I'd love to tell you at some point of how God was opening doors, we got connected with a guy who's from Brooklyn. He knows so much about Brooklyn, Um, a good friend of our community, a guy named Ping Moy, and he owns a space that is literally um, less than a five-minute walk from PS261 that he is going to rent to Hope Brooklyn as our 24-7, like, uh, third space, essentially, um, for a really, really good deal. (laughs) And we have some pictures uh, as we've been renovating the space with him. um, It looks a lot bigger than that. Don't worry. But it's a really long space. You can go to the next picture. Um, It's got, on the next picture, it's got a massive patio for parties that we can throw Um, And the next picture, that is a picture of Ping with Anna, who is helping to renovate. Um, And this is going to be amazing for the the classes, the seminars, the parties, the youth groups, the roundtables that we're going to be able to host in this space, because it will fit 40, 50 people. Um, It is literally an answer to prayer. And just to sort of like uh, articulate and explain why we need this, so... um, we had a round table, we just finished up our latest version of round table, our latest uh, iteration of round table, and uh, during the fourth module, there was a, we were meeting in an apartment lounge, a, another party came in, and so we got kicked out, so we finished the last 15 minutes of round table out in the hallway holding our jackets. We need this space, guys. It comes at a perfect, perfect time. Um, so that is one of the places where it will be going. We've joked throughout this last year, we've said, hey, We need to move out of our parents' basement and move to our own apartment. God has literally given us our own apartment. (laughs) Like, literally, less than a five-minute walk that we get to design, that we get to renovate. Um, It's gonna be amazing. So, that's another area where our participation, our our partnership is going, Um, and it's gonna be great. So again, we're asking for 70 recurring donors. Right now, we have 51, so we need only 19 more. And because we're in this year-end season of extending hope where we don't just exist, the church doesn't exist for itself, but part of our budget is to to bless the the neighborhood, bless the communities where we exist, we've been working with an organization called Safe Families for Children, which connects families in crisis with the church. And so we've been rolling with them for the year, so we want to raise money at the end of the year for them. So here's how we're going to do it. For every new recurring donation set up, whatever the total annual amount of that donation would be, we're gonna take 10% of it right now today and give it to Safe Families for Children. So, to do a little math, let's say, on the next slide, let's say you, give, uh, you set up a recurring donation of $500 a month. Well, that's gonna be an annual commitment of $6,000. Hope Brooklyn is gonna to take today, before any of that comes in, take $600, 10% of that, and give it to Safe Families. So as we sort of participate in what God is doing here at Hope Brooklyn, part of that participation is also blessing the neighborhood where we live. Uh, So here are the ways you can give both for today and to think through um, going forward. We are so grateful for everyone's participation. We say the whole family makes it happen and we truly mean it. We would not be able to do this. We would not be able to step even more fully into the vision God is giving us uh, unless we all did our part. So thank you so much for your participation to find out more about the mission of hope brooklyn details about sunday gatherings brunch how to financially contribute and a whole lot more check us out online at www.hopebrooklyn.org thanks to liz weiss at lizvice.com for the music and to you for tuning in see you next week